down, down, down. Red Knight going down. Down, down, down. Red Knight going down. Cable Guy Mac and Cheese, next. When your weekend's all spent up and Monday's coming down the pike, sometimes all you need is a little comfort just to get you through to Monday. Mac and Cheese Movies, where we believe in comfort food and comfort movies. Mac and Cheese Movies. I'm Scotty Coppage. And he doesn't want to pull a hammy. He's on Scotty's team. It's Ricardo Sandoval. How's it going, Scotty? Today's dish in honor of the cable guy. We got Medieval Times. We got Pepsi. What'd we get? What'd we get? What'd you bring us today? We, got, we brought rotisserie chicken and potatoes and we ate with our hands. It was great. There were no utensils in, med- in Medieval Times thus far. There but- are no utensils here. But, but we had Pepsi. We had Pepsi. And we had it knocking back a few Heinekens. Um, today we're talking about the Cable Guy, starring Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. What was the food like? Where'd you get the food, Ricardo? Went to the local Market Street. Um, they never let you down there, so it it was definitely up to par with what you would get at medieval times. Although you've never been, I've never been. Have you been, Ricardo? I've been twice. I've younger kiddos. Well, back when they were younger, I took them twice, and we had a great time. Even I would go back as an adult. We should go. We should go. We, we should, should definitely go. go. You heard it right here on this show. This is going to be happening now. That's right. Yeah. So today we're talking about The Cable Guy starring Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. Let's do First Taste. First time you saw the movie, what's your relationship to it? Why is it a mac and cheese movie? So the first time I saw the movie, I was still in high school, I believe. It came out my my high school graduation year and I went with a couple of friends. Saw it on the big screen and I remember... I want to say it went to the, you know how the movies came out and then they went to the dollar theater after they were either a bust or after a couple of months. But this one went to the dollar theater pretty quick and we saw it at the Chateau Dollar Theater in Fort Worth. And um, Was it uh, called the Chateau? The theater was called the Chateau. All right. Chateau. I don't know if it's still open or not, but we went and saw it and I remember the four or five friends I was with not being into it at all, but I was very much into it. And it just knocked my socks off. I loved it. Uh, the dark comedy, the edgy humor. And, of course, at the end when he says, what's your real name? And he says, Ricardo. That really freaked me out. Um, but I, I thought it was going to be this blockbuster hit. And it was probably more of an underground classic. Yeah. It, it was, you know, Ace Ventura, huge, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. Then he's in Batman Forever. 
which is, you know, because it's a Batman movie and being a villain in a Batman movie was like a big deal at the time. So do you think maybe, I'll throw this question back at you, do you think maybe fans and critics expected a blockbuster from him and this I, just... I think, they were, I think they were expecting that and then also, if you look at this trailer, a lot of the trailer, it kind of looks like it's going to be a lot more light than it actually is. Like a comedy, yeah. like slapstick. Yeah. You're right. And it has very little, if any at all, mm-hmm. slapstick comedy whatsoever, really. It's more dark than comedy. And there was... The original script for this was going to be a more straight up, like, buddy kind of comedy film. It wasn't going... And, like, when Jim Carrey gets on, he's like, hey, let's mix this up a little bit. Judd Apatow, like, rewrites a whole bunch of stuff. And they go this darker route with it because they kind of they have the money for it. They've got Jim Carrey who's making twenty million dollars for this. You know the studio is backing this for sure, thinking it's going to be a big hit, and this is what they come out with. Yeah, he was definitely can't miss at that time in his career, and so I think had he said let's go funnier instead of darker, they probably would have listened to that as well. Yeah, so. it's, I mean because comedian wasn't really making 20 million dollars in the 90s i mean it was like tom cruise it's schwarzenegger it's julia roberts i mean sylvester stallone yeah yeah he definitely uh changed the game for what actors type of actors were demanding and you know there's a i don't know who said it before maybe it was jim carrey but there's a famous quote or line or whatever you want to call it that it's harder to be funnier than it is to be dramatic as far as acting goes Mm mm-hmm and to me that's so true it's it's extremely difficult to be a successful comedian than it is to be this very dramatic actor it's more difficult to make people laugh than cry but in this movie i thought it was definitely the first movie where i thought jim carrey was a very good actor not just a slapstick comedian. the whole film like goes on its axis it's really subversive it's not what you go in there Kind of thinking it's going to be like your run-of-the-mill kind of Jim Carrey thing, run-of-the-mill summer comedy. And then there's all this stuff happening. You're just like, you're kind of uncomfortable. It's kind of like watching like Fight Club for the first time or something. You're like, what is happening in this? Yeah, there's a lot of things you don't expect. And if your mind is made up going in, uh, which was probably the case when this movie came out for Jim Carrey fans, then they were very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because their mind was made up, they were going to see slapstick, and it, that was not the case at all. And one of the things I started kind of thinking about as I was watching the movie is, first of all, I'll say I think this is one of his greatest roles. Where what what to me, anyways, what Groundhog Day was to Bill Murray, the Cable Guy was to Jim Carrey. That's just my personal opinion, even though it's not the blockbuster that Groundhog Day was. And the reason I think that is because as in Groundhog Day, I think Bill Murray was being himself. He wasn't acting. I think if you see people that post online about meeting Bill Murray, he is that guy. And I think, and I I could be wrong in my thought, but it's just an opinion. I think Jim Carrey at this point in his career was a very dark person. I think he had a lot of demons because the Jim Carrey we know today in 2021 is a very, I found my Zen. I found myself Mm -hmm. guy. He's exercised a lot of that darkness and a lot of those demons, I think. And if you watch him today, if you listen to him speak at all in interviews, uh, I think he's figured out his inner, his inner Zen, his inner peace. He is at peace with life and the world and he's seen darkness and tragedy and he's, He's kind of figured it out. But I think the Jim Carrey we got in this performance was was really still exercising a lot of those demons. And I think that's why he was so good in it, because he was just being himself. And he's kind of got that dark edge in this. Um, I'm shaking my head, yes, yeah, as you're talking, um, yes. And, like, and, and it's all, like, really, like, funny. Like, you know, um, like, I think when he gets to the Truman Show and he gets to some of these other movies... You know, it's he's doing more serious stuff and trying to do the acting chops, and we kind of don't get. This is the best version of this kind of Jim Carrey well, you, that we're gonna get. You took the baton right from me because I think in the Truman Show, and then well, I forget. Man the, on the Moon, Man on the Moon, and then there's another one um, that was where he tried his hand at drama. He was acting. 
you could tell he was acting. Now he did great in in Men on the Moon. It was a, a well acted role, mm-hmm. but he was acting. You could tell he was. I didn't look at that movie. I thought it was a great acting performance. I didn't look at that movie like I looked at uh, Andy Dufresne in Shawshank mm-hmm. Redemption, where I'm like, Tim Robbins is not acting. That is, I mean, that was epic. That was a great role, perfect, perfectly cast. Um, when I look at Jim Carrey in most every dramatic movie he's in, he's acting. And I thought, in, in even in Pet Detective and even in um, name a Jim Carrey slapstick movie, Dumb and Dumber, he's acting. You know, he's slapstick, he's acting. The Cable Guy, I thought, is the one movie where I'm uh, I'm looking at Jim Carrey. And maybe sublimin- subliminally, the fact that they never really reveal his name mm. is is somewhere in that for me, but... That's the one Jim Carrey movie where I don't believe he's acting. He is being himself at that time in his life. Yeah. Good take. And now and now we've he seems to have kind of come out of this. And this is him at the pinnacle of his success too, going through all this. Right. Um this was yeah, this was Jim Carrey at his at his apex in his prime. This is, I mean, he's demanding twenty mil a film. You know, that's that's pretty hefty for Hollywood standards. I think this movie cost forty four million dollars to make. So you think of all the other. Obviously, they're kind of smaller, no names, but we blurred them out now, and they're they're bigger names. Jack Black's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick, Leslie Mann. Um, you Owen noticed, Wilson. Owen Wilson is in this movie. I think we noted two or three other people that were in this movie. Uh, that we just completely forgot about it and were oblivious to. And all of them are leading men or women in their own right today uh, or at some point after this movie. But for a guy to demand half of the movie's budget, I mean, that's big time. Yeah. That's that's really big. And in that time, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't imagine Tom Cruise for Mission Impossible demanded half of the budget. Yeah, hundred million dollars or whatever. Yeah. Or, or now they try to get points or even no one's getting that kind of payday now, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know that they do back end deals anymore in movies just because, uh, production companies, um, and, and studio heads no longer do that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think probably the last big back end deal was, uh, I believe Batman when, when, uh, Jack played the Joker mm-hmm. and he wanted to get paid back end money. But you don't see those kind of deals anymore. Yeah. So for for an actor to demand half of the movie's budget, I mm-hmm. mean, come on. I can't think of another movie where that's happened and probably won't happen again. And especially when, you know, this is like an original story. This isn't like based on a book. This isn't a franchise. This is This is just kind of like really kind of an indie movie that kind of gets kind of gets legs and everything because it's got Jim Carrey in it and it's got all this other stuff. So, I mean... This, Columbia is going to put like all this money behind it. If it's whoever they they wrote that Chris Farley was going to be in this, I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, was he supposed to play the cable guy? Yeah, this is back when it was like the original script. But he was uh, he had just done Tommy Boy, and he was going to do that second movie with David Spade. This he would did, have definitely leaned more towards the slapstick comedy. I think mm-hmm. had it been someone like a uh, Chris Farley, I can't. Although to my point that I've said before, it's harder to make people laugh than it is cry so maybe he would have pulled off the dark i mean Mm -hmm. you talk about demons right yeah yeah (laughs) like i had them um we kind of went off track there but what was your when did you first see this movie and what was your first take i saw i saw it opening day you know i saw it with a friend of mine and you know i had seen ace ventura like five times in the theater i saw the mask twice i saw dumb and dumber twice batman twice this i just saw cable guy once i didn't you know i didn't come back from multiple rounds for this movie, but I've seen this movie more in the last 20 years than I've seen Ace Ventura or The Mask. Um, so I think that, I mean, it just stands the test. It's standing the test of time. And like you get older, you see more things with it. I know you're the host, but I like to throw things back at you as yeah. well. In this movie, let's say you're uh, um, Scotty studio head and you have to cast this movie today with today's actors who's playing uh Jim Carrey's character who's playing Matthew Broderick's character. That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean it? with Matthew Broderick, I mean you could probably slide in anybody. 
True. In that, like, let's just say like Seth Rogen or somebody. I mean, that's not the Jim Carrey thing. I don't even think we got anybody. Can't think of at anybody that level, at that level. You know. Yeah, the Matthew Broderick character is definitely very mundane. I mean, like you said, in somebody that's a, just a decent actor that could probably pull that off. Just like like Paul like. Paul Rudd. Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd, Paul Giamatti. I mean, like... Paul Giamatti would be good. Like, Paul Giamatti, like, around, like, 98, when he's not as old as he is now. But, like, yeah. Like, I think Paul Giamatti could would be funny with this. You know who would be really good? And just follow me with this. Um, Donald Glover would be a good cable guy. Mm. I think he's so versatile, and he's he's probably one of the few actors right now that I can think of that can be dramatic and funny uh, within the same line that he's delivering uh, in a movie or in a TV show. He is very talented. Outside of him, who's the guy that also uh, starred with him in that, with Chevy Chase? In In the community? Community. Who's the taller, um, kind of spiky-haired guy? He's a oh, comedian. He was in like talk soup. He like yes, hosted. yes. He could probably do it because he's pretty good drama mm-hmm. and 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 comedy. I forget his name, um, but Donald Glover would be my first choice to play mm-hmm. the cable guy in today's casting. What about what if we make this movie in the eighties? What about Steve Martin as the cable guy? Oh my gosh, you're you're dead on. I think that would be Steve Martin's great. Like like jerk era, dirty yes. rotten scoundrels era. I mean, yes. That that I think if if you're listening to this and you have done yourself a disservice of not watching the jerk or dirty rotten scoundrels, it, it trust me, it'll be four hours well invested in your life. It's some of the greatest uh comic cinema there is out there. And a lot of that is I think not that Steve Martin's a jerk, but to the point that I've said before is I think a lot of it is he's playing himself. He's just he's just a funny guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just playing himself. But yeah, this would be a tough cast to cast the cable guy in today's era. I don't know that. I don't know that that could be done. I can't even really think of a whole lot of actors in the last ten years. Like if someone asked me who's the best like actor to come out like recently, and I said like Emma Stone, it's like Emma Stone's been around for twelve years. Like, um, that's you true. Know, it's, you it's, don't you don't think about that. Yeah, but she has. She really has. Um, yeah, I can't think of. A fresh actor that's come out. Well, also, I mean, let's be fair to Hollywood. Production's kind of been shut down mm-hmm. the past year where they're just now getting revved up in a lot of things or finishing a lot of projects. So there's a, probably a lot of good undiscovered talent out there, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, so I can't think of any. Yeah. i tell you one actor that surprised me, and I know mm-hmm. we're... Is, um, Robert Pattinson, he's a pretty good actor mm-hmm. outside of, of the Twilight stuff. He's a, very, yeah, yeah. he's a very good actor, but I don't think he could play the cable guy. <laughs> it's it's you gotta nail it. If you don't if you don't get the right person for that, the movie's not gonna work. So you hit on a really good um thing while we were watching the movie and and, and kind of taking notes. The funny scene in the movie where they're at medieval times and he asks Stephen to give him his skin so he can do the silence of the lambs uh, impression of Hannibal Lecter wearing the other guards skin to escape uh, prison. There are a couple of cameos that you noted. Uh, well done, by the way, sir. Uh, I think I mentioned the police officer that's in the cable guys, the same police officer that is in silence of the lambs. And then you noted that, uh, Stephen's mom is actually the governor, the governor whose daughter gets kidnapped mm-hmm. from Silence of the Lambs. So, and then Janine Garofalo's in this movie as well. I think we mentioned Jack Black. There and, was Andy Dick. Andy, Andy Dick. This, this might be like Andy Dick's best performance. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so subtle. It's so perfect too. At the very end, I think he's got one of the best lighters at like, the end of it. <laughs> onto your steed. It's like. Get 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 on! He's not, <laughs> he's he's not, not kidding around. Kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's great. There's this movie is definitely full of a lot of uh, one liners that people our age probably use mm-hmm. that that saw the movie and maybe stuck with it. And um, anytime you played like basketball, like at the Y or something, like that would these lines would come up. You guys play here too. 
or when you snap a picture of that's going to be a good, good one. one. Yeah. Even yeah. when I do that with my iPhone today, <laughs> I, I, I find myself blurting that out, but uh, yeah, definitely. I think, I think Jim Carrey's best work. I think Jim Carrey's most underrated movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Hollywood and maybe the Academy has progressed enough that if, if, we were in today's time and this came out with the same actor, same cast, same exact movie. I think this is one of those movies that maybe gets recognized a little bit for, for some awards. Uh, and how about, uh, I don't think Ben Stiller gets enough credit. Yeah. Uh, this movie is so well shot. So the cinematography in it, the way he does the quick, um, zooms in the camera and the way he does the quick direction changes without just cutting clip to clip. I thought was really well done for the type of movie this is, which is a dark comedy. Um, I did watch something on the Graham Norton show where Ben Stiller was on there promoting Zoolander two or something. Mm -hmm. And Jack Black happened to be on there and they were giving Ben Stiller a hard time about kind of being a, a jerk or a dictator, um, on set when he's a director and Jack Black makes the comment to him, Look, the movie turned out great. Who cares if you were a little bit of a dick? And that is to... I also saw another interview with Robert Downey Jr. where he says Ben Stiller is... He's Charlie Chaplin. He is it. He is Hollywood directing royalty. Uh, He knows everything. There's not something that's going to throw him off his game. He is directing Hollywood elite and he just does not get mentioned with the Ron Howards and the Steven Spielbergs. And I think it's probably time he does because he's put in some serious time. And, and right before this, he does Reality Bites, Correct. which is incredible. And like when you look at Reality Bites and you look at this movie, it's a real thesis on Gen X. Yes. Um, you know, all these people that are, you know, if you're in your 20s, you've gone from, if you're in your 20s and in the 90s, you've gone from like three channels you know, and and this is the, that's like the first generation where the ba- the TV was like the babysitter, um, and you know the, the divorce rate went up in the seventies, and then by the nineties we've got you know a hundred channels, everyone's got like a ton of cable, and then like what Chip is talking about, you know about soon you're going to be able to play a video game with your friend from Vietnam and you're going to be able to do all your shopping and the Louvre. All, I was like, when I was watching it like this time, I was like, oh my God. I mean, people would say that kind of stuff, but like you How didn't really know. You couldn't predict. You couldn't have predicted everything that we've got, you know? So it's funny you say that. I'm going to throw three titles at you that will really, I hope, cement the point that I made about Ben Stiller, Reality Bites, The Cable Guy, and Tropic Thunder. I mean, he's he's just piling them up with movies that are, I think, just epic for Hollywood. And they really say a lot about Hollywood. The Cable Guy, while it wasn't a blockbuster and Reality Bites, again, not a blockbuster. They were both pretty critically acclaimed movies. Reality Bites more so. And Tropic Thunder, obviously, we know... We know the greatness of that movie. Yeah. It's probably my favorite movie of all time. I got your TiVo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That movie, I tell you what, for them to make that movie and just basically kick themselves in the gut for two and a half, three hours is all they, they basically just point the middle finger at Hollywood. That I don't know how that movie got made, mm-hmm. how the money was funded, but... That movie, it's just the most satirical satire of all time. Uh, you couple that with The Cable Guy and, and Reality Bites and a slew of, of just great comedies, obviously. Um, and I think Ben Stiller should should be recognized as, again, one of those Ron Howard, Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. types. I, I think mainly, probably the reason he's not is because he's not, he's not directing. He did, he's not directing... A ton. Maybe he directed Zoolander 2? That, and he's also just not... Um, well, I know he got married, had kids, mm-hmm. probably took a lot of time off for that, rightfully so, but I don't think he's directing a lot of the Saving Private Ryans and, yeah. and you know, a lot of the... Well, like the mid-level studio film, like, doesn't really exist anymore. You know, they'd rather put the $250 million into, like, those kind of films 
it's either it's either like a two million dollar movie or a movie like the huge like the Marvel stuff or whatever. They'll they'll do that. So like like in the last twenty years, there's less releases, and then also there's less movies that are kind of you know you'd go you'd, there'd be like four or five movies come out a weekend, you know, um, and like now it's one, one or two, it's one, and then it's the counter programming maybe, and that yeah. You're right. And again, the pandemic may have something to do with it, may not. Um, maybe it has something to do with our streaming services and the way we consume things. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. But you're right. I remember there used to be a time where I'm like, which one am I going to go see first mm-hmm. of these you know, two, three, four movies that are coming out this opening weekend? And it's just not that way anymore. Now I'm like, you know, there's I really don't care to see much of what comes out. Um, and I don't know the exact science or reason behind that maybe it's a lot of different reasons and and maybe covid and the the halt to production had a lot to do with that but and you're also right in that they don't fund a lot of dark comedies Mm -hmm. they don't this cable guy movie yeah probably doesn't get funded today they'd they'd have to make it for like a million two million dollars and people would have to work on the cheap for it and everything else yeah correct it wouldn't be a 44 million dollar movie no it would not and it would I think it stays at the bottom of a, of a stack of scripts. I really do. I'm curious to know how this movie, and I don't know that I know a lot about the movie and I know a lot about the, the director and, and, and the movie itself, but I'm curious to know how this movie got funded and how it got approved and how they said, okay, let's put this project together. I think there was a bidding war for the script. Was there? And that's like the, that, the original script. Um, but then, like, you get Jim Carrey involved in it. You know, it's now got the... He's got the muscle to kind of... And now you got Judd Apatow working on stuff. you got Ben Stiller. you got, like, all these, like, incredible people refashioning this movie. And then they're just, they just kind of can put it out. It's, I think it just kind of flies under the radar there. I wonder if it's, you know, who had the legs, though. So Ben Stiller wasn't the big director and then mm-hmm. Jad Apatow was still kind yeah. of, you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, he was coming off Freaks and Geeks. It was, no, this was before still, Freaks and Geeks. Was it? Yeah. Okay. This is about five or six years before That's right, Freaks 96. and Geeks. Um, but Judd Apatow yeah. still, he's renowned, but not, yeah. he doesn't have the pull. He was working for Gary Shanley back then. Right. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if it's Jim Carrey and Lou Holtz Jr., the yeah. writer, mm-hmm. the original writer of this. Yeah. I can't think of a single other project he's done since or after. So I wonder if Jim Carrey somehow got a hold of this or someone put it in his face or told him about it. And that's how it grew legs because yeah. I can't think of a power player at that time. Obviously now Judd Apto and, and Ben Stiller can do whatever they want. But at that time, I can't think of any of those guys being power players to move a studio and say, yeah, let's give 20 million to this guy and, and we'll survive on the other 20 mm-hmm. to make this film. Yeah. So I'm, I'm almost willing to say it was Jim Carrey that kind of, if I had to guess, yeah, that kind of grew the legs on this thing. The the plot the the storyline with the um, the trial, which like you know in the in the '90s, that's when like Court TV took off, the OJ thing took off, like the Menendez brothers. That's like when we really started getting all this kind of like I guess tabloid court stuff and everything. But like in the story, I read this theory. That Chip killed one of these brothers and framed the other one for it. And like, because at the first one, he's setting up the TV and it like shows like the clip. He's like, I hope you fry, you bastard. Right. And it, you know, and so it's obviously something that he probably like loved and watched when he was growing up and then like gets to know one of them or whatever. And then like something happens and it's just kind of outside of that theory. I think it's probably one of the most well-written things in a script I can think of in a long time. Obviously, I mentioned Shawshank. That's just a well-written script, period. But this little nugget you find inside the cable guy with that trial is just some of the best screenwriting and directing that you're going to see in cinema. And if, if you've never seen the cable guy or if you haven't seen it in 20 years... Watch it just for that, for that underground trial that's going on. It is just so well written and just so well directed. When Ben Stiller is 
like at the, at the court table, um, you see him like throw his glasses down, <laughs> yes, like, and like a reaction to something, right? And you don't know the context; you just see the video footage. But it's just it's just like it's hilarious and it's over the top, and it gives you enough to be interested, and then it leaves you hanging at just the right amount of time, and then obviously leaves you hanging at the end. Um, again, it, 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 everyone's watching the verdict come in, and that's when. Chip falls on the satellite that just blasts out everything. Knocks out everything and nobody finds out. Quentin Tarantino does a good job sometimes. He He's the epic you know, squirrel. Mm-hmm. He just goes off on these tangents. And he's epic about talking about the story within the stories sometimes, how he would like to see. Like he talks about, I saw an interview where he's talking about there will be blood. And he's talking about the beginning of that movie when uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's character breaks his leg and hobbles all the way to the bank to trade in his gold nugget. And he's like, I want to know that story. I want to know the story of how he got out of that hole, how he crawled through the desert and how he got to the bank to cash in his nugget. Um, That's the story of the story. And I think you could make a movie of just that trial. Mm -hmm. Um, It would just be epic. Uh, you see all these prequels all the time now. I would love to see Ben Stiller go back and do the trial of those brothers and mm-hmm. make a movie about it. I think that would be just so hilarious. And you, you, what you could do is you could have Ben Stiller be in some of it, and then you could have Eric Roberts <laughs> doing that that stuff too. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think at that so awesome to see Eric Roberts because at that time, I mean, he was never you know just this. Um, a-list actor he was always an actor like you mm-hmm. know he he thought of of himself as this just you know grand actor and he was pretty good he did a lot of theater and a lot of under you know and then, and then like a lot of showtime movies yes and stuff. yeah yes and you see him in this and you're like how perfect uh-huh. is this for him and i think seeing eric roberts in this movie is the genius of ben stiller saying i'm gonna get this guy come hell or high water. And I, I, I can almost bet that's, that's exactly how he got him. Mm-hmm. Is he told him you've got to do this for me, but just some of the great acting, it, watch it just for the cameos in there that, that are going to blow your mind. And you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, that's so-and-so from this and that. And it's even now watching it again, I, I noticed some of the people that were on there. I think the scene where he flashes back where Jim Carrey's character flashes back and his mom puts him in front of the TV. Um, that is actually, Oh, I forget her name now. Redheaded comedian. Very annoying. Kathy Griffith. Oh really? I could oh, hear okay. her voice and oh. I'm like, and I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who is that? And it sure, they don't even show her face, uh-huh. but you hear her voice and that's Kathy Griffith that plays his mom. So just great what, a li- what a lineup, right? Jeez. <laughs> you can, I don't think you can get all these actors for $44 million today. Right? No, no. I mean, you could if they just agreed, but um, yeah, just just a great, great and tenacious. These blackjack's brother mm-hmm. is in this movie at the end, uh, watching the court case, picking up the book when the satellite goes out. So, just a well written movie. Again, for my money, it's Jim Carrey's best work. What was your best uh, scene in this movie? What part of this movie do you you just always remember? It's the medieval times. The medieval times. I mean, it's times. the medieval times. Yeah. It's just kind of, there isn't anything that compares to that. Your opener was great. Down, down, down. <laughs> Red, I go into, yeah, that is, I definitely like that. That That is pretty epic scene. I think I meant, made the comment that I, I, I've been twice to yeah. medieval times, and I've never been there or thought of it without thinking of the movie. If I drive through downtown Dallas and I see it, I instantly think of, the cable guy and that mm-hmm. scene is just epic. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene in the movie. I, I have two. One obviously is the very end where he says, what's your real name? And he says, Ricardo, just cause that's mm-hmm. my name. And that freaked me out. And, it, and then they play the, I love Lucy theme. And that was epic. And that's my, in my personal life, my business name is Desi Lou properties. It's named after oh. Desi Lou productions. So that I'm, I'm a big fan. So that, that tie in for my name and the tie in for the, I love Lucy show was just epic to me. It's just perfect. But probably the scene that I remember the most and I love the most. And that was just, I don't know how they got through filming day on this scene was porno password. That is just some of the best comedy and acting 
you talk about dark comedy mm-hmm. that that scene defines dark comedy for me that is just so well written so well done and just very well acted and that, and that kind of thing happens where someone like you know is horrible or find really annoying but like has got the whole room you yes. know yes oh we all know that person right or people that that have everyone fooled and that in that scene he's just I feel like he's just the puppeteer and he's got them all at the palm of his hand except for Steven and he's just just playing the fiddle and they're all dancing and he's got them right where he wants them and it's just so creep creepily creepily done. I mean just well done. And when you look at Matthew Broderick in this I mean, it's a good performance in that he's not stealing the show. He's not the most charismatic person in the room. I mean, he had just been in like 10 years of movies where he's the wittiest person, coolest person in every movie he's in. You know? Right. This is mid-90s, 1996. And yes, you're right. He's coming. He's probably coming off of a good five-year, um, I don't want to say hiatus, but a five-year stint of where he's the Hollywood man. And now he's not. He's, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Office is, is what, 10 or 11 years in the like, rear yeah. mirror. And all these movies that he's done in the past, are, you know, he's he's kind of gone through them. And so he's always and always, probably always will be a very good actor and just he'll show up on a solid role. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. And he's but you're right. It's and maybe he's not getting enough credit for being so understated in this movie, mm-hmm. but he plays it perfectly. He really does uh, the way his he's perfectly monotone for it. He's perfectly cheery for it. He's perfectly mad for it. So he does a very good job in this movie. When it when I think of when I think of other movies he's done, uh, I can't. They're mostly comedies. I know some of them. What's the War Games? I think yeah, it's War called. Games. That's, and- that's a little bit more serious movie, but. Still, have you seen Biloxi Blues? Yes, I love Biloxi Blues. That was good. Obviously, he was good in um, him and Denzel Washington in um, Glory. Glory. Yeah. He was just very good in that. But you're right. That's a good point, Scott. Most of his his glory days were probably five, seven years behind him, and then he becomes he's in this movie, and he's in what's the movie he's with? Election with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, he's in that in like '99. Yeah, but, but I mean that, of, that's still like an. Inc- Incredible film to be in. Exactly. Kind of kind of to your point, he kind of shows up mm-hmm. in these little things from time to time. And he had a really, probably still has, uh, now that everything's up and running again, a very good run on Broadway with, yeah, he's, with the producers. Yeah, he, he, he does all the theater stuff. And yeah. He was in, I guess, maybe off of the steam of Election and some other things. Uh, he landed the blockbuster Godzilla, which was oh yeah a flop, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and then he's not cool in that movie either. He's like just kind of like this nerd, you know. I actually thought that movie was pretty good. Okay, I didn't hate it. Okay, I didn't think it was hot take. I didn't think it was the yeah. blockbuster. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of like the uh, Chip Douglas hot take of mm-hmm. of uh, when he says Waterworld was great. Oh, I don't yeah. know what everybody's <laughs> talking about. Waterworld was too long, bro. <laughs> That's what everybody said. Three hours? About. It was just too long. I did. The, here's another hot take for okay. you if you haven't seen this one The Postman. Oh, yeah. Now, that is a three and a half, four hour movie, I think. That movie is great. It's great. Probably Kevin Costner's best work. Really? It is too long, but it's very good. And that, I think there are about three scenes in that movie where I literally cried watching that movie Mm -hmm. and i know what the critics say it's too long it's kevin costner's ego and it's this that and the other but i mean he's got the you know he's got the the pull to do what he wanted at that time anyways he had the pull to do what he wanted to until water rule came out and they were like no more dude but uh the postman is is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Waterworld, not so much. I agree with Chip on... Well, I don't agree with Chip on that one. But uh, The Postman's a really good movie. Definitely recommend that one. I'll check it out. I'll yeah. check it out. But again, to my point, I can't echo this enough. I think this is Jim Carrey's best work. Mm-hmm. Hands down. It's not even close. It's this and then about five or six movies tied for number two. Mm-hmm. But this is... If you want to see Jim Carrey at his best, and I don't know that... 
I don't know that he could do this character today because he's, uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's a bit more refined. He's kind of found his zen. He's, he's, he looks like a man who's finally happy and Mm -hmm. at, and at terms with what, what fame is and what Hollywood is and, and where he fits in that picture. And I think, I think during this movie and the start of it and during and after he was still being told yes all the time and being told how great he was all the time. And I think he had a lot of personal things going on as well during that time. And so I, um, again, I don't think he was acting and just hands down his, his best work. It's not even close to me. Have you ever tried to tip the cable guy? No. Like this? (laughs) No. Well, um, no, I've not. That's funny. I don't know that you could do that anymore. I I think, I don't think you can. There's too much technology with everything. Correct. With all this now. But like, I think, I think once they hook you up, everything's automated. And yeah, I think in the, I think in the eighties and nineties, I think that probably was a thing though. Oh yeah. We all had that friend in the eighties and nineties who stole cable or Mm -hmm. something, or, you know, knew how to cross the coax cables or split the cable with the neighbor and got their cable or whatever. I don't know anybody personally. I can't give any names, but, um, yeah, I think today it's a little bit different with the streaming services and Wi-Fi. And I think today's equivalent is, uh, you know, having somebody's Netflix password. Oh, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's today's equivalent. But have, have you ever been have you ever been the friend like Chip where you're kind of like maybe overbearing or trying to be friends with somebody too much? No, I've never wanted to hang out with anybody that much where it was a little obsessive. Um, it's funny you asked that because I, I was having this conversation about jealousy with somebody just the other day over dinner. It was a group of friends. And I remember telling them when I was in uh, fifth grade, I got my heart broken so bad. And I got, I remember getting insanely jealous and I never really showed it physically, but I remember it tearing me up. And I remember telling myself never again, will I ever do that to myself or embarrass myself like that again. And Ever since fifth grade, man. <laughs> jaded. Jaded. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Cold-blooded. So um, friends, uh, male or female, no, never been that way. Never yeah. just die hard, wanted to hang out with somebody. I wanted to be one of the cool kids, but, yeah. you know, not, uh, I, I wasn't going to hang out with them at all costs. You know, like a lot of times there's, you know, the people like want to hang out with you. Maybe you don't want to hang out with them or you're trying to like maybe get something going with like to try to get a friendship started, especially like. It's harder to make friends now as we're older, um, so it's hard to kind of get that momentum. It's not like you're like at school where you see him every day, correct? You know, so you kind of do have to jumpstart it to a degree, unless you work with them or something. And what's funny you say that because in what I do for a living, I end up making friends with uh, most of my clients. And how I met you actually was through a client yeah. that I had that I became friends with, and they've since moved away, so I don't keep up with them as much. And but I know you do, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how you and I met. That's how we became mm-hmm. friends. But yeah, it's 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 a bit more organic when you get older, and that's great. Yeah, because it, that way it becomes more about the things you have in common or don't. But definitely, when you're younger, it's just about the things you're doing. You know, maybe you're both playing mm-hmm. guitar or football. Yeah, and then you do that thing, but then there's so many different things that keep you apart. If I'm, if I'm trying to be friends with somebody and they're not into it, I feel like the cable guy. And then I was like watching this. I was like, <laughs> you're not trying to destroy their life when they, when they right. like back right. off or don't text back. But it's like, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, okay, all right. Okay. I'm not a sociopath here. You know what the equivalent to that today is, is the person who takes forever to text back. Yeah. That's what that is. Cause you're like, come on. I, You've you've left me on red yes. for like three hours yeah. now. Come on, <laughs> maybe they're driving. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or maybe they like are riding a roller coaster and their phone's like in a locker somewhere. Right, yeah. you start thinking, but mm-hmm. that's that's today's equivalent to the answering machine, the red, yeah, <laughs> the scene in the cable guy where he's like, "Hey, I was taking a shower and just thought you called, or I was blue drawing my hair, missed your call, thought I missed your call. Has that ever happened to you?" But yeah, today's equivalent is seeing the 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 red on the text message and mm-hmm. and they still don't answer yeah. you back and you're like really come on do I say something do I text something back now do I wait do I play it cool <laughs> right um, yeah right. all those rules that that 
Yeah, I don't. I thought I was done with him when I got married. Exactly. Um, you're not. Yeah. You're not. It's the same game you play with friends that are male or female, I guess. But it's it's kind of funny to see. It's also funny to see. Um, I mentioned the answering machine to see some things that date. Yeah. The movies, uh, and they still hold up. But to see the answering machine, I think if my kids watch this movie, my kids are teenagers, they would be thrown off by the answering machine. Or even analog cable, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's coax cable? Yeah. I mean, they, they just need a wife. They call it Wi-Fi. I need a Wi-Fi password. Uh, they don't know anything about coax cable. And, and then, like, also, like, like that generation, it was like, TV is going to rot your brains. You're watching too much TV. Now it's, you know, you're online too much or you're on uh, TikTok or whatever. There's, there's uh, this other stuff that, like, kids are kind of, like, Super into what's also the odd thing about that though is, is that everyone tells you that we need a, it's political even, um, but everyone talks about how we need to lead the world in technology, right? You, if you want a job, you better get into some kind of computer software or Mm -hmm. some kind of uh, piracy software or or be some kind of software engineer because that's the wave of the future and I've got two brothers are both software engineer and they both work in different fields of, of soft, of software. Um, and I have a lot of friends that that's, that's what they do. And I have a good friend who's a lawyer and that's what she does. She basically protects, I, I'm going to butcher her title, but she, she basically looks after things on the internet and and how different companies in the federal government are using it. Mm-hmm. And so it's everything leans that way. But yet we tell people don't, you know, don't watch TikTok, don't do this, yeah. don't do that. Um, but that's this movie kind of nails it, you know. Like you said, you're gonna be playing a game with your friend in Vietnam and that's what that's what's happening. That's what that's the world we live in now. And that mm-hmm. was nineteen ninety six yeah. when he predicted it. So kudos to Chip Douglas, mm-hmm, Chip or, Douglas. or Ricardo or whatever yeah. his name is. <laughs> so what's what's the doggy bag? What's the legacy? What are you taking home from this movie? Well, for me, it's what I've said a couple times. I think the big takeaway for me is that this is Jim Carrey's best work. And it's for that reason. I think it's because it's I think this is his um, his one film where he's not acting. He's really being himself, not not to say that he's bothering people trying to be their friends, but he is, he was a dark comedian and nobody saw that, I think. And I think this movie was him screaming. I'm, I'm a lot darker than what you guys think. I might be funny and I'll be funny, but I got, I got a lot of things going on here. And I think to that character, that's how come he played it so well, because he was going through all that. I feel I could be dead wrong. Jim Carrey mm-hmm. could hear this somewhere on the internet and be like, what an idiot. It was acting. Come on, dude. Jim Carrey, <laughs> let us know. Come on the show. Come on the show and prove me wrong. Tell me I'm stupid. I wouldn't mind at all. But that's the takeaway for me. That's the doggy bag. That's mm-hmm. to me. That's uh, when people talk Jim Carrey, when people talk, you know, best comedians or best acting or best roles. I say Andy Dufresne. I say Chip Douglas. The, these are the, these are the ones um, I put this, I put this, this is, this movie is really high ranking for me. It really is. It's next to, like I said, Andy Dufresne and, um, Oh, why am I drawing a blank? Robert Downey Jr. And, uh, in Tropic Thunder and Kirk Lazarus. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's up there. I think it's, it's really, really up there. Yeah. My doggy bag is, you know what? Jim Carrey, this is a creative flex, you know, to make this movie, to do this, to kind of put all the chips in on this after you've had all this success. And then this movie that has like just this huge lineup of people that like we didn't even know about that we weren't going to know about for maybe 20 years. Um, and then something that's like lasting. I mean, we're talking about it in 2021. I wonder if um, and maybe I'm reading too much into this again. Jim Carrey slapped me if you. If I'm wrong, but I wonder if after this came out and it didn't have the, it wasn't the blockbuster, didn't have all the critical acclaim that it, that, um, everyone thought it would, 
I wonder if that affected Jim Carrey some. I wonder if he was sad about that. I think um, it may have taken some pressure off of him. And uh, I think uh, Judd Apatow was talking about like when you're making like that kind of money, you kind of like reevaluate your life. You reevaluate like what success is and kind of like kind of like all these. It's like a weird kind of trip you're on when you're kind of like that successful as he was in the mid 90s. Yeah, there's not a lot of people that have been on that that high, the best at, at what they are. And he was that was him. What, 90 91 through 90, well, through 98, yeah, and, 99, he was the best at what he did, mm-hmm. whether you liked him or hated him. just a performance piece, like just in Living Color, and I even like this movie, Once Bitten. Um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was cute. That was very good. But yeah, this is this is his best work. If you've not watched it, highly recommend. It's only, this is another thing you don't see, Scotty, is this movie's under an hour 40. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. This movie is an hour and 30 some odd minutes long and it feels a lot longer. It plays a lot longer, but that's something you don't see. Everything's today. two hours. Correct. I look at something on Netflix and I'm like, oh, how long is that? This is a two night, two, two night two, event for me. Two hour, 15 minutes. What? That's no. a two nighter. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'll watch some of it after dinner before shower mm-hmm. and then the next night. But yeah, this movie you can squeeze in on a lunch break. So if you have that kind of time, but, um, Great movie. Highly recommended from from my side if you've not seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while or saw it and maybe you didn't appreciate it then. Maybe you followed the uh, maybe you were a sheep back then and you kind of followed the 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 swarm of people saying, eh, not for me. Yeah, because they were expecting slapstick and it definitely was not. They changed the poster. They changed the poster. The poster was originally like, you know, his eyes were kind of like. Um, like kind of demonic or whatever. Okay, they changed it to like him, like in the knight's costume, like a little bit. They changed it because they're like, this poster isn't doing this for us. We need this to be like, we need to try to sell this as like kind of like a fun Jim Carrey thing. Yeah, definitely was not. the studio just like screwed up and like, I guess what they were trying to do at the end once they saw like what they got. I feel like. Um, you know what else, and I keep harping on this, and I'm sorry, but I think I think maybe if you go back and watch this, um, if you saw this when you were high school or early college, like we were talking about, and you go back and watch this today as a middle, you know, grown adult uh, that's in their, you know, late 30s, 40s, I think maybe you will appreciate it a little bit more. I think so. I think so. Um when he's singing Don't You Want Somebody to Love and he's talking about like Altamont um, with the Rolling Stones, I think at some point during the karaoke, he's like talking about like, we need an ambulance at so-and-so. I think he's right. saying like what they said when they were singing that song. Correct. Yeah. It's pretty funny. That's another so, great scene. <laughs> so that's something that I didn't, you know, pick up on when I was 16 or whatever. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to, at some point, this is bucket list. I'm going to, maybe if Jim Carrey comes on the show. I will rock the outfit he wore karaoke, mm-hmm. karaoke night. The jacket, suede jacket yeah. with the, you know, with with all the um, all the flair and the leather pants yeah. with the concho belt. <laughs> it's just greatness. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love that outfit. I'll definitely be rocking that. Thanks for being on the show, Ricardo. It's been a few years, but we're we got you back now. Yeah, well, let's do another one soon. This is yeah. great. Well, this concludes our broadcast day. Click mac and cheese out.